Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I get to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And in this episode, number 422, I'm welcoming to the show my real-life friend, Dr. Kelly Jamison. As a mom, there's no one else on this planet that knows these children better than you. So trust your gut, trust your intuition, have a conversation with each of them privately before the school year starts to hear from them what their fears and expectations are, and then share a little bit with yours too. Kelly is a fantastic Dallas-based therapist and speaker. She talks to lots of teachers before the school year, and I thought it'd be great to have her come on, give us some good perspective as parents, not just for the beginning of the school year, but also as we go throughout the year and how to support our kids well, but advocate for them and support the teachers. And she has a tool I want to make sure I point out. It's in the show notes. If you have a child with special needs or any kind of accommodations that are listed in an IEP or some document at your school, this is a great resource for you. We also set the stage for our tech series here on the podcast. Uh, I asked Kelly to talk about technology and she told me no, and you're going to hear why. So let's get right to it. Here we go. Kelly, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I mean, just our paths have crossed and I'm so happy they did. Me too. We had a mom son event uh, at our boys' schools, your oldest, my second, and we left and I go, Price, who is that boy's mom? Who is that? And he's telling me all about you. I was like, I need more of her. And I immediately started following you on Instagram and I was like, she knows what she's talking about. She is a wise, wise woman. So we were having Mexican the other night and I was like, can you please come on the podcast? Please. And I said, yes, ma'am. Yes. So because, okay, we're going back to school. We're also doing this tech series here on Don't Mom Alone. And when I brought up, I'm like, would you talk about technology? (laughs) You're like, I don't do that. Yeah, no, I don't do that. But I thought we could talk about back to school and mix in a little technology because you have played all the roles. Tell everybody a little of your backstory of the experience you bring beyond a mom of two kids in the same season I'm in. But Two, three. Wait, did I make up? Three. three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have three. Add it in. Yes. Add another one. Yeah, bonus. bonus. <laughs> <laughs> so tell everyone a little bit of your experience and like what sides of this sure. situation you've been on. Sure. Well, I started out as a classroom teacher for many years. I taught middle school social studies um, while I was going to school at night. And then when I finished my doctorate, I moved upstairs at Parish Episcopal School here in Dallas, and I was their upper school counselor for many years. And then I went into private practice. So a little bit of classroom teacher, school counselor, now therapist specializing in adolescents and their parents, and mom. So kind of four corners of this whole school year. I feel like I've had experience in a little bit of each of those categories. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you can also see the trajectory of the year. I mean, I think there's a little bit of stress at the beginning when we don't know the teachers we're going to get, the classroom dynamics, but there's also hope. (laughs) I don't know. I always carry a little hope that maybe this year will magically be different. 
And Mm -hmm. so we hit a wall midway (laughs) into the fall semester. How can you help? Like, what advice would you give as parents are heading into this school year? And maybe they're maybe they have that hope, but they also have a lot of fear and a lot of I don't know. They just unknowns are causing them some stress. Yeah. So this time of year, people are getting their emails or their schedules. And the very first thing kids do is they look at what teacher do I have or what teachers do I have? Mm -hmm. And then after that, the second question is, what friends are in my classes? Yes. All right. So that's sort of the order of events. So immediately upon getting those schedules, they want to know, did they get the good teachers? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and and some years you get the good teachers. And then some years you don't. And I think parents of littles, they get really upset. They want to have the best teacher every year. But as the years sort of tick off with other children, you start to understand eh, some years you get the good teachers and some years you don't. So and some you years manage you, those. you think we did not get the right one. And then yes. you see future why Absolutely. that was the perfect one for your kid. Exactly. Yeah. But this time of year, like at the beginning of August now, everyone is like anticipating, right? So as moms, we try to keep it optimistic which is right where we should be with it. Because mm. anxiety is just sort of fear of the unknown. And collectively, everyone is a little bit fearful or anxious slash excited, which is exactly how it should be teed up at the beginning of August right now. So as we're getting haircuts and buying the backpacks and the water bottles and making sure the shoes fit and the pants aren't too short. So while we're doing all of this like technical things, we should also be sort of encouraging, giving pep talks about the school year. And that's that's the hard part of mom. So while we're doing all of that, we also have to do all the emotional prep too about sort of what we're going into, what we can expect, but always beginning of August, everyone should feel collectively hopeful and excited. For example, I spoke to a group of teachers um, a couple days ago and I said to them, Education is the one field where everyone collectively gets a restart in August. And the kids are always getting a restart because they're they're obviously moving up in grades. But teachers also get a restart too. This is not the case in the business world. So if, you know, Jim the accountant leaves for the Bahamas for 2 weeks and he feels refreshed and he comes back from his 2 week vacation and then he's sitting in a meeting with, you know, Tom, who didn't get a vacation, those energy levels are different. But education is so cool in the fact that collectively everyone is sort of amped up together. Mm. And that's the beauty of education, whether you're a student sitting in the desk or a teacher sitting in front of the class or an administrator, there's a collective energy that is unique and special to education. And when I talk to clients of all ages here in the office, I try to remind them that this will not always be the case. So you sort of soak in this excitement every August. So go ahead and buy all the new things, but but know that there's something magical about getting a fresh start. How do you talk your kids through a disappointment, though, and try to keep that energy up if they don't get the teacher they expected? Or I remember one year in my son's mind, he thought this teacher was mean. Once he got to know her, she's fantastic. She, It's like the most loyal, kind teacher ever. But he had in his head from seeing her in the hallway an impression that was not true. Or 
their best friend isn't in their class. Like they have initial disappointments that don't like, don't help anxiety. Like you said, that's already there. Yeah. So in short, I always just tell them, let's keep an open mind, Mm. you know, because, you know, I've got a lot of kids right now who are leaving for college and their anxiety is at a 10 Okay. and they're going to some fabulous schools and I know they're going to have a great time, but I say to them, Let's just get you there because the anticipation is really what's crushing. It's the anticipation of not being in class with friends, not getting the most energetic teacher. Um, So it's the anticipatory anxiety. I think that's crushing. So we just keep reminding them, keep an open mind and let's just get there and get the lay of the land. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So what if you've, talk to me about this experience, but what if you're a parent of a child with special needs and you need to communicate, you have your first teacher meeting, how or what should we do to guide that process to advocate well? Yes, exactly. So if you have a student or multiple students with learning differences and you have accommodations on file with the school, you likely have an opportunity to meet with the teachers before school to kind of talk through the accommodation. Now, let me tell you what this looks like as a teacher on the other side. So you're coming back and you're getting your classroom ready and you're making your copies and you're getting your curriculum ready and you'll get an email or, you know, the school diagnostician or the counselor comes and hands you a piece of paper of all the students this year that have accommodations. And you're thinking, okay, great, got it. And you stick it in a file and then you go about doing all the other thousands of things that you have to do in August. But the beauty of making an appointment as a parent to sit down with that teacher and to have a one-on-one conversation is absolutely crucial to the success of your child with a learning difference that school year. So my recommendation is always request a meeting if the school doesn't already offer a before school meeting to talk through the accommodations, to go ahead and put that email in or that phone call now and try to get in there before school starts or at least the first week of school. And my recommendation is always to sit down. And in fact, I have a a template that we can put in the show notes that your listeners can print. That's really helpful. That is just a one page sort of bullet point notes about your child about, and I put on it like what teachers they've had at the school in case the teacher wants to go back and consult with the former teacher about, you know, what went well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And then the diagnoses and then what works for this child and then what does not work Mm. for this child. And that is a really quick. And then I always put a picture of my kids up in the corner. Um, It sounds cheesy and it sounds a little simplistic. But as a teacher, if they can just have a quick, you know, they don't need the 30 page report from the diagnostician. It's it has to be sort of quick and simple for them. So it's just a one page basically highlights about your kid so that they remember, oh, right, this one has dyslexia. I cannot count off for spelling. And this is what works for him. And this is what doesn't work for him. And those meetings are quick. Like, for example, I just scheduled two of those meetings with two of my children, and they're 20 minutes each. 20 minutes is not enough time to talk through what a mom thinks is a thorough conversation about your child. But if you can slide them a sheet that you feel like covers everything and hand that over to them that they can look at in their own time, then you sort of, you've done your part Mm -hmm at the beginning of the year so that everyone's on the same page about your child's needs. That gives a mom peace of mind. Now, whether the teacher never looks at it again, as a mom, you've done your due diligence that your teachers really understand what the challenges are that your child faces. 
and things that will help them be successful. I'm going to pop in here and tell you about one of our favorite sponsors. It's Thrive Cosmetics. And why I love them is it feels like they're the unicorn of beauty products because they do all the things. One, they work. Two, they're good for the environment and your body. And three, they give back to our communities. And I really, really love their Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. I've told you about it. If you have not tried it for yourself, just give it a shot because it's so great. More than 25,000 people have given it a five-star review. It mimics the look of lash extensions, but it does not damage your lashes with glue and you don't have to pay the salon prices. My favorite thing is it uses this proprietary tubing formula, which means it wraps around each lash. So it lengthens them, it defines them, and it doesn't smudge or clump or flake as you go throughout your day. And it has nourishing ingredients, so they're getting supported so they grow longer and stronger and are healthy looking over time, and it comes off so easily so you don't damage them in taking off your mascara. You just use warm water and washcloth, and it just slides right off. Those little tubes just slide off your lash. It is the best-selling product from Thrive Cosmetics. Their products are 100% vegan, cruelty-free. They're made with clean, skin-loving ingredients. No parabens, sulfates, phthalates, all without compromising their performance. Like I said, that works so, so great. Not only that, Thrive Cosmetics is known for how they give back to communities. Cause is in the name for a reason because part of their mission is with every purchase, they support organizations that help communities thrive. People who are battling domestic abuse, homelessness, cancer, and so many more. You have to try Thrive Cosmetics to see for yourself. So right now you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order when you visit thrivecosmetics.com slash DMA. That's Thrive Cosmetics. It's spelled C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S.com slash DMA and you're going to get 20% off your first order. So smart. I feel like it's keeping harder, longer conversations later from happening. Like you're you're running into all these issues later and it's not the teacher's fault necessarily. It's not the child's fault necessarily. It's just like a miscommunication. And like you said, especially if you're in a public school setting where you have a lot of children. I mean, I've yeah. worked in a public school setting. It's just, it's a lot of kids. And to know each individual child's needs is a bit overwhelming, especially at the beginning. And you're just working on overall classroom management. I mean, and yes. there's the whole education piece that we're supposed to get in there. Right. Um, yeah. It's a right. lot for teachers. Fun. And so to be on her team or his team and to support as best you can, I love the one sheet idea. I think it's brilliant, brilliant. And if you're listening to this and it's way after the school year, I would assume that it's never too late. <laughs> yeah, never too late. And I always bring him like a little treat or something yeah. to go along with it. It's like a, here you go. Um, but then even still, by October, November, I'm still sort of sending back a sheet with a little mom note on it that's like, just a reminder, my child has dyslexia, cannot be counted off for spelling. And I send the test back. And then they usually follow up with an email like, thank you so much for the reminder. I mean, these teachers just have so much going on that oftentimes they appreciate the reminder, like, hey, just you can't count off for spelling for this kid. And they're like, that's right. Thank you for the reminder. 
So it is something that you just have to keep your eyes on all year and just remember that these teachers have so many students and oftentimes they appreciate the reminders and they don't always see it as a criticism of their work. Well, and it seems like it's the how you deliver and if you started off on the right foot with like a collaborative relationship yes. versus uh, me versus you. I mean, your your goals, you both have the same goal that your child learns and grows. And so if we keep that in mind throughout the year. Yes. <laughs> what other things would help form that kind of relationship with teachers? I mean, kindness, right? Like you just have to remember if you've ever gone to to be like, you know, guest reader or mystery reader or even lunch duty, like you get a little snapshot of the chaos of school. So a little kindness goes a long way. They're they're doing their best, mm -hmm. right? And I think starting early, that nice relationship, rather than sending off that email at night when you're upset, goes a long way. Mm, the emails at night, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> should we have some rules on like... <laughs> Parent use of technology. The 24-hour 20, rule. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've had the almost reactive email, right? So sure. let's say you get an email from a teacher or news. What should be the parent response? Sleep on it. Mm -hmm. Sleep on it. Because oftentimes your child, I mean, it's been my experience as a mom, that the child comes home day of and is really worked up about the thing. And then in turn, you get worked up about the thing. And then maybe you sent the email, maybe you didn't, but the next morning you sort of check in with your child or the next day after school and they're over it. It actually wasn't that big of a deal or the child misunderstood or the teacher forgot something. And then you're thinking, gosh, I got totally dysregulated for that and I didn't need to. My kid seems totally fine now. So it's just sleep on it. 24 hour rule is always the best advice. So Another thing that I feel like we run into as the school year goes is social dynamics. Could you do a little coaching for moms on social dynamics? I feel like when they get into late middle school, high school, we're not the drivers of the social dynamics, or we should not be, is my view. The drivers. We might be the coaches and like they bring us yes. something and we, but we're not the ones setting up the things necessarily. Do you agree or disagree? Solid therapist answer. It depends. It depends. So if there's it a depends. real struggle, you might be in there like creating. Yeah, I mean, if you have a super introverted child who's hesitant to get involved, but wants to get involved, then yeah, I mean, I'm going to endorse a little social engineering there. However, if you have a socially stable kid, then sure, let them sort of wade those waters. But it just, it kind of depends. But I'll tell you, as a therapist, October is a is a big month for us in terms of social drama and social mishaps and disappointments. October is mid football season. So everyone's going to the football games, everyone's going to the pre-parties, the after parties. It's also homecoming season. Um, I hate homecoming. October I'm just gonna also... throw it in there. I hate homecoming. <laughs> it's a lot, it's isn't too it? Much. I mean, it's too much, yeah. October is also generally first big unit test mm. of academics. So teachers have gotten through a few tests or a series of quizzes, and then it's like the first assessment of a unit. So there's a collision of academic stress where unit tests show up in October, or maybe they have midterms, and then also social drama peaks in October. 
Um, so that is just the perfect storm of a lot of tears and a lot of upset kids and frustrated parents. So it's also the kickoff of the holidays, right? So October for us is kind of Super Bowl season okay. as therapists because it's a lot of it's a lot of homecoming heartbreak mm. and it's a lot of disappointments and it's a lot of academic setbacks. So that tends to be a tough month, October. Uh, January, there's just the January slug. Teachers come back from holidays. Kids are over it. Teachers realize they only have a certain amount of weeks left to get through the curriculum. So they're turning up the heat. But kids, it's a long haul from New Year's to spring break. And that's a tough, that's a tough block of time. Um, so there's some incongruence with energy between teachers and parents and kids. And then for us therapists, again, April and May are big emotional months. So October's big and then April and May. So April and May marks the closing down of things, a lot of tryouts for the next year, ceremonial things, end of chapters, parents recognizing that kids are leaving. So the spring for us is also really hard. So I would say October, April, and May are really the three months to look out for as parents to sort of protect your own emotionality while caring for your families. And just even hearing like that that's normal. Every time someone says, no, that's normal. It's like marriage is hard. That's normal. <laughs> like there's not something wrong with yes. you if it's hard um, is right. helpful to hear. I know we were kind of talking about middle school, high school, but do you think that's true even in the elementary years that those are the months that can show more emotions and challenges? Are they are they less sensitive to the social dynamics? Yeah, I would say they're less sensitive to the social calendar. Also, developmentally, they're all over the board. Mm -hmm. So they could have different struggles and troubles in their own way. But I don't think it quite matches the intensity of the middle school, high school kids. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And as parents, when we do hit that season, like you said, guard our own, like be available. As a therapist, you said it's heightened. Are these current clients or do you find parents are, their new clients are coming in in October? Their, their kids are hitting these moments of stress and so they're reaching out. And is that something we should do? Like if we're seeing our child struggle in mid-October and make that appointment or is it something that we have to, it's a case by case kind of basis? Uh, as a therapist, I would say my October peak are current clients. And then I get an onslaught of new people in the spring. Okay. Those are kids trying to make choices about where they're going to go to high school, where they're going to go to college, or kids that aren't taking college applications seriously and parents panic, or it's the junior boy who's still playing six hours of video games a night and parents are panicking, um, feeling like he's not leveling up emotionally or maturation-wise, and they start to get a little nervous about that. With this back to school episode, I wanted to connect y'all with a fantastic resources. Summer, we know it's come to an end. Some of you may have already started back to school and maybe you got everything on your kids back to school list. If not, I want to introduce you to our amazing sponsor, Mr. Penn. Mr. Penn is the go-to destination for all your back to school essentials, whether it's pens, pencils, highlighters, to notebooks and planners, they have everything your child needs to conquer the new school year. My 
second son has been using his Mr. Penn highlighters to do his summer reading, finish it up before the school year starts. Mr. Penn was started by a Christian teacher seeing the daily struggle of students and other teachers. They have over 100,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Their products are legit. We love them here. And they're so affordable. They get to your house so quickly. So moms, don't stress about the back-to-school shopping frenzy. Don't go head over and look at the empty bins of all the products. Instead, head over to Amazon, buy it quickly and affordably and easily with Mr. Pin. If you buy Mr. Pin on Amazon, make sure you use the code HEATHER and then the number 10, but put out the numbers, one, zero, and MP for Mr. Pin at checkout. So that's Heather 10 MP, and you'll get 10% off your first order. Heather 10 MP at checkout, and you'll get 10% off your first order. You brought up technology. Here we go. (laughs) Tell us. I did. Tell us why you don't do a technology talk. So I do a ton of speaking throughout the school year to both parents and students all over. And I'm often asked to do a technology talk. And I respectfully decline because I have done them. Like I will, I will be honest. I've done them. And it is a tough topic because you can't win. You cannot win with this topic. You cannot. I liken it to talking to parents about alcohol with teenagers it is very polarizing. In the alcohol conversation, some parents believe they have to learn how to consume alcohol under my roof. Mm-hmm. And then the other side of the coin is you've got parents that are teetotalers who are absolutely not. And neither of them are wrong. Neither of them are right. It, you it just, just can't. Is. You can't win you this. Cannot, it's, it's based on like human experience. It's based on a value system within each home. And even as a professional of mental health and adolescence, I can't give you the right answer. Yeah. So I just avoid it because inevitably people want to know what grade is the correct, appropriate grade to give my child a phone? What grade is the appropriate grade to allow them to have social media? How much screen time should my child have? And I'm like, I cannot answer that for you. There are so many variables at play here that if I stood in in a room full of people and said, this is the grade that's appropriate for phones, this is social media, this is screen time, it wouldn't be correct because all of these kids are developmentally all over the board. Mm -hmm. And it's just parenting. It's just parenting in a different vein. Like you don't parent all all of your children the same. I sure don't. I know when I'm walking into which bedroom, like what sort of parent I need to be. And the technology talk is exactly the same. Yeah. I've seen it go sideways. I've heard horror stories in this office. But you know what? For the most part, like it's not ruining kids' lives. Oh. It's basic what we call like technophobia. And it has happened anytime there is a technological shift in our culture, whether it be the computer or the television, or even it goes all the way back to written word. Whenever there is a shift in the way people communicate, parents lose their collective mind. They think it's going to ruin childhood. It's going to ruin their ability to communicate. It's going to stunt their maturation. It's going to contribute to obesity or depression or eyesight. And all of these themes that we're hearing right now, 
with this tech age that we're in are literally exactly the same as all of these other big shifts in technology, literally all the way back to the, the Gutenberg press, right? When they started printing the Bible, everyone's like, oh, you know, this now has become a solitude activity, like everyone's going inward and we're not talking about these ideas anymore. Literally the exact same concerns that we're expressing today. Yeah. So it's a hot button and it's polarizing for sure but I just don't like to talk about it because people are just so sensitive to it. Yeah. And honestly, it's the first thing we're parenting that we didn't grow up with. Yeah. So there is no roadmap. Like we all grew up with alcohol and we all grew up with television, but we didn't grow up with social media. So there's this fear of the unknown and we want our children to have some sort of, you know, childlike fantasy that resembles ours. So we believe that having these phones in their hand, that they're not going to go outside and play kick the can like we did. Um, so it's this fear that their childhood didn't represent the fantasy childhood that we remember ours being. Yeah. And you said to me something about how that for some kids, the gaming, like you were just talking about the, the junior that's gaming for six hours at night and they're worried about him. Yep. Talk to us about the social dynamics for some kids when it comes to gaming that might help a parent of that junior. So we think, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's sad because I have so many teenage boys who say, and I heard this a lot during COVID when everyone was home, that parents would walk through the playroom or the bedroom or whatever and say, gosh, you're so lazy. Mm. And we keep hearing this word lazy over and over and over Whenever a child was plugged into a video game, usually boys is the general example that parents would just sort of roll their eyes in disgust and call them lazy. And that was really hard for those boys to be told that over and over because in their mind, they are connecting with friends. Mm. So as parents, every time we see a kid pick up one of these or an iPad or a video game, we think that they're disconnecting from their friends and from the family. But the truth of the matter is the research says that the children, the kids that are engaged in this, especially video games, that they are actually, that's an authentic connection with their peers, mm. that they're not actually checking out, but they are in fact checking in. Mm. And when you talk to them following video games, now parents will say, you can't get them off the video game or they're different when they get off the video games. But if you ask the child, they really did have an authentic connection with their friends while playing the video game. But the optics of it doesn't look like that to us. Well, it made, and that's the rub. It made me think of when they announced through research that if you listen to a book, it is equal to, in your mind, reading it. And it was like threw everybody off. No, wait, they didn't read it. They listened to it. It's like, well, <laughs> their mind was still processing the words. They're still having to imagine if it's fiction. Yep, sequence. Um mm -hmm they're having to process new ideas and thoughts. Like I've listened to books, you know, as I'm taking walks and it, it definitely was still as challenging to consume. Anyway, it's almost like we see it as like reading light <laughs> when you do audiobooks. Yes, yes. And they said, no, 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 it's right. the same. I feel like yes. we think, and in my mind, I've, I haven't necessarily said lazy. I might've said addicted, which our guest mm -hmm. that will be on next week talks through that wrong description. Yeah, good. But the lazy, yeah, it seems that way. And it also seems like you don't really have any friends. And so. Right. Which couldn't be 
more opposite mm-hmm. of what the kids think, which, which goes to something else that you and I talked about that night at the restaurant is the way in which they're engaging on these platforms is also a variable that is important. Like, for example, let's take social media. Yeah, for, yeah. Social media represents a party online, right? So if you think about being at a party in person, you have kids or people that engage in the party. They talk to people, they try the appetizers, they'll have a drink, they enjoy the party, like they're engaged in the party. But also you have those who sit off to the side, you know, with their sit on the couch with one drink and maybe don't talk to anyone, but they're just observing the party, but they're at the party. That's the same thing for social media and the way that kids are using these platforms. So the big research study that came out a few years ago that said Facebook causes depression in teenagers specifically, I think it was teenage girls, but really the fine print of that said, it depends on how they're using Facebook at the time, but now we can just say social media. We have what's called active engagement and those, those are kids and adults who are liking, commenting, and posting their own content. That's what we call active engagement. So for those people, social media is the party in which they attended yeah. and they feel good about it. But if you're just what we call passive leaf scrolling, that's passive engagement, then that's what historically you would call, you know, wallflowers. You're at the party, but you're not really engaged. So maybe you're going to leave the party and feel kind of down about it because you watched everyone else have a great time because you sat off to the side. That's exactly the difference in the way that these kids are using social media and the mental health components that come out of that. If they're engaged, they see it as a positive. If they're not engaging and they're just scrolling or trolling what kids say, then oftentimes they'll shut it down thinking that they've missed something. But in fact, they just weren't engaged in it in the way that could really give them some positive mental health benefits. When I'm thinking it's a risk when you post, like I've noticed if I see my boys post on, let's say, Instagram, they're reposting some sports thing or reposting something about a friend. But original content that they post is seldom, if not ever. I noticed one day they both posted about trips they took. And I was like, huh, this is new. This is risky. But oh, it is risky. Yes. That That's what it feels like. It's like being at a party and deciding I'm going to grab the mic and sing a karaoke song. And I could be booed by everybody here. But when you're at an actual physical party, you know the people there, you know you have relationships with them, and you're taking the risk with familiar people. It's online taking the risk. It's like I don't know who and what could be said, and it's – but then when you overcome it and you do it, then there's a resiliency that's like, ah, that felt good. And I could see how right. that builds those online resiliency muscles, which – because people will comment to me, I don't know how you do it, Heather. I don't know how you keep putting yourself out there. I'm like, at this point, I don't think about it. Because I've dealt with negative comments. I've dealt with strangers saying things to me and like, and I've been okay and I've survived it. I might've had a rough day here or there, but I made it through. So building those online resiliency muscles, I'd never considered until we were having this little conversation. Good. Yeah. I'm happy to be here for your <laughs> light bulb moment. <laughs> but you know, it's also, it's just another trend. Yeah. You know, I noticed what, what you noticed too. It's like one boy post his sports photo <laughs> And then the whole team posts their professional sports photo. But it's the same thing. Like our teenage boys, they all wear the all white gym shoe right now. Oh, I like, didn't. I didn't know that's that. a trend. I didn't know that. I need to buy or some. Like, that's a trend. Yeah. Okay. So, like whatever the trend is, mm-hmm. it's just the way that they post on social media. It just mirrors everything else, right? Remember, adolescence is a time of life where you don't want to stand out for the wrong reason. Yeah. 
So that's why they often are so trendy is because they don't want any negative attention drawn towards them. So they post the same things. They wear the same things. They listen to the same music. It's a time of life that's really full of insecurities. And to post something that's different than what everyone else is posting is a huge risk. But so is wearing navy blue gym shoes instead of the all white ones that everyone Well, apparently Price has taken all the risks. His are purple. So he's just like really <laughs> standing out there. I think that that is interesting even with learning the rules I remember like with Snapchat, which we, we're not getting into, I'm not going to tell you when or where to not or if, whatever. That's not what we're talking about. But I do remember like <laughs> the boys learning you don't do full face like oh, with yes. someone you like or whatever. Like that, oh, rip, yes. that communicates a whole thing. It's a whole set of etiquette mm-hmm. and rules that they're very aware of, but they had to learn. That's right. Which is, is completely foreign to us. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you not show your face? Why would you show half your face and half of the ceiling? <laughs> Which again, goes to like, we're, we're pioneering this parenting path. Uh-huh. We're, we're figuring out on the fly. But we're going to, by the time I get to my fourth, it'll be a different thing. That's right. That's exactly yeah. right. I, when I was talking to those teachers the other day, I said, who is brand new to teaching? This is your very first year of teaching. And this sweet girl raised her hand and she was young. And then later we were talking about Instagram and she's like, I don't have Instagram. I'm only on Facebook. And I was like, wait, what? What do you mean you're on only on Facebook? Like, is this going backwards? Are we doing like, the other? Young people getting back to Facebook. And she's like, I don't know. I just like Facebook better. Okay. And she was young. And I was thinking, I can't keep up. I don't know what's what. Okay. I mean, all right. I mean, who knows? Who knows? I haven't tried the be real <laughs> for a minute and I just gave up on that. That it was it was fun yeah. for a second, or even the threads recently. Threads. Like I tried it for a, a second. Yeah, I tried it for a second, then I was like, eh, I'm over it. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, this is good to navigate all of this, y'all. Kelly is not going to give you the how to, <laughs> but to me, it was healthy perspective on the trend of technology across parenting generations. Like this has always been a thing. Even when you were talking, it reminded me. So we named our third son Watts after Isaac Watts who is a hem- mm-hmm. a prolific hymn writer. But at the time, they only sang psalms, like from the book of Psalms. Like his dad was horrified that he had the audacity to write a hymn. And now we're like, hymns, that's old. So it it is, <laughs> yeah, it is this whole change thing and adjusting. And yes, we need to hold each other's hands and we're going to walk you through it in this tech series as best I can without giving you a formula. But any last thoughts on back to school and like p- parents' perspective and helping them? Yeah. So I think my my best advice is recognize that each child needs something different from you each year. Yeah. So for example, last year I was worried about my high schooler. This year I'm more worried about my youngest going into middle school. So just as a mom, there's no one else on this planet that knows these children better than you. So trust your gut. Trust your intuition, have a conversation with each of them privately before the school year starts to hear from them what their fears and expectations are, and then share a little bit with yours too. And then know that you are just going to have to sort of measure each child and know who you have to pour into a little bit more. And that might change, you know, by October, when everything sort of starts to fall apart, you may have to shift and get back to that child that is usually your strongest student, maybe your perfectionist that usually don't have to, you know, engage much academically. And you may have to 
sort of give that child more time. But recognize that each child needs something different from you and that could change throughout the year as well too. So this this mom thing requires 24-7 presence. 24/7. To never sleep. To recognize, Don't sleep. Never sleep. Like you're on <laughs> all the time. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. So just sort of know that each child needs something different from you. And then also your mom tribe is critical as well too. Yeah. The older kids get the the less moms sort of share what's going on in their house because as the kids get older, the issues become riskier and moms tend to talk less to their people. So I'm always encouraging moms like circle your wagons, talk to your people, be vulnerable, talk about what's the struggles are in your house um, and help like you said earlier normalize it, minimize it, and get through it, which is also what we do in therapy. Yeah, I would say yes to all of that. Don't mom alone, for sure. And in those teen years, yeah, I think it's risky. I had a mom reach out to me about an issue and like we worked on it together. It was like, okay, we're in this together because our goal is the success of our children together. We want them to be flourishing adults. And this isn't like a, you know, what did we do wrong? Beat ourselves up party. This is what are we going to do next? And how are we going to support each other in that? I was thinking you see a lot of teen clients and others. Um, What do they wish their parents would do? What do they tell you that they're like, man, my mom and dad don't do this? Oh, I will tell you. Well, first of all, they're listening when you think they are not. Hmm. So behind the eye rolling and the staring at the phone or looking out the window while driving, when they get here to therapy, they can tell me verbatim what you say. Hmm. So keep talking. It is going in, Hmm. even if they're not giving you like an emotional response. Um, So keep talking to them. Um, And then what do they need? I would tell you that um, the teenagers would say that we need more understanding about how difficult it is for them in these days and times. Hmm. It is really so much more frenetic than it was for us. And they have so much more pressure collectively than we did growing up. There's just so much more emphasis on children in the American family than ever before. And that is overwhelming to them. And they wish that we understood that better. Yeah. We're taking it on like we feel the pressure as if their success is our on our shoulders. But they're feeling like yeah. they don't want to disappoint us and make a mistake and look a fool. Yeah. I mean, my most famous line is children have become the new status symbols of the American family and they feel it. They can't quite articulate it all the time, but with the yard signs and the car stickers, you know, they recognize that their ability to achieve in a certain community is correlated with our status and oftentimes our friend groups. So that's that's hard for them. Yeah. My parents didn't have a yard sign in our front yard in the 80s of like where we went to school. No. But now there's so much status attached to these schools in these communities and these sports teams um, that the kids really feel the pressure of that. Mm. I hadn't thought about that. It's a lot. Okay. You're here in Dallas, so y'all need a great therapist. Go see Kelly, Dr. Kelly. But also, do you have a website online that they could connect with you that you could just say? We'll put it in the show notes, too. Yeah, it's just drkellyjamison.com. And she'll come speak to your groups and yeah. look out for a book soon. 
publishers, if you want to sign yeah. Dr. Kelly, she's available. Um, <laughs> That'd be great. We'll, we need to have you back on because you are so wise and just the right temperature for our community. Like, love it. So, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. All right. Take care, everybody. Okay. Thanks y'all for joining us. I hope that was helpful as you think about this year and definitely check out the template in the show notes. It's labeled accommodations sheet template to help you advocate for your kiddos, create something that you can hand a teacher. Even if you've already started school, you could print this off or create it and be a helpful reminder as you work alongside the teacher that your child has. And if you're homeschooling, private school, whatever it is. I'm going to pray over our years that God would lead us. So here we go. Lord, I uh, thank you once again that we grow and change. And I always think of that verse that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. And I pray that over our kids that this year they would grow in wisdom. We know um, they're going to grow physically We pray that they would know you more deeply as they grow this year. We pray for any kids who haven't professed salvation, that they would come to a saving knowledge of you, God, and that the Holy Spirit would indwell them. I'm just thankful that any, the good that comes, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, that is fruit from you, God, in us. And it's not work when we are surrendered to you. I pray that as parents, we can make the time, center ourselves in the truth of who you are so that the overflow of that would be fruit as we interact with teachers or other parents or in in whatever, our homeschool co-ops in our homes as we teach Uh, whether it's on the sidelines at a sporting event, how we conduct ourselves, that it would be led by you and that your sweet aroma would be so attractive to everyone around us that they would want to know the source and that would be you, God. I pray that we could have the wisdom to make time um, to have intentional conversations with our kids to know uh, what their fears are for the years or what they're hoping to grow in this year, but also to just walk alongside them and allow you to work in them, that they're not finished yet. We're not finished yet. And thank goodness, Lord, I pray for peace to cover over us as we go forward. I pray for any disappointments, any challenges, any new things that you, we would be comforted to know that you go before us, Lord, and you go walk with us and you come behind us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thanks y'all for listening. Okay. So this was kind of like a warm up to a couple episodes we're going to do on our tech series. I've got some great guests coming on the show in the next couple weeks. So I'll see you back here next week. Actually special, special. If you lasted this long, a little bonus episode with me and Cynthia Yanoff coming out this Friday. So make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts so that that episode pops up into your listen now box. We're going to give a little update on our summers, talk about family trips and, you know, deliver some fun new news. Uh, We recorded it 
before the fires in Lahaina. And if y'all follow me on social media, media, you know that my family, we were just in Maui two weeks ago. So I'm going to put a link in the show notes now, and I'll put it again in the episode on Friday of a GoFundMe from friends that I know who, it's like friends of friends of friends that are collecting money for local people in Lahaina. And I um, just want, if you feel like you are led to do that and to help, you always know in these GoFundMes that it doesn't need to be a big donation to make a big difference. So I just want to put that in there. Um, it's such a beautiful place and such a historic town. It is wild to my family and I that we were just there and it is completely gone. It is just hard to comprehend. So anyway, want to mention that here. I'll, you know, mention a little bit in Friday's episode, but I hope you all have a fantastic week, whether your kids are back in school, you're starting this week, mine are, or you still have a few more weeks left. We're <laughs> This is where we are. Or you have newborns. Hi, newborn moms. All right. See you back here next week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us, moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3:17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day. Only 4% of universities in the US are R1 research institutions and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit